0: Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work. So get a quote at GEICO.com. Easy. Thank goodness 2020 is finally behind us. Unfortunately, a lot of us put Christmas on a credit card and those bills, well, they're still in front of us. Here's a pro tip for you. Don't make a New Year's resolution to save money. Just head over to SaveWithConrad.com right now. We make saving money fast and easy. Just asked Benji in Louisiana. He left us a five-star review and wrote, why did I wait so long? Process was very easy, no hard sell. Signed closing documents at my kitchen table. What about Jared up in Beeville, Texas? He says this was a quick and easy process. First Family was very helpful and easy to communicate with. They always got back to me in a timely manner. I would recommend First Family to anyone. What about William in Gallatin, Tennessee? He says it was great working with Jimmy and the rest of Conrad's staff at First Family. Who knew listening to Grilling JR and Something to Wrestle could save me over 130 dollars and seven years off of my loan with almost no increase in payment. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Here's the thing. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? If you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Find out right now for free. Keep more of your own money at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Hurry to savewithconrad.com right now. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Everybody's heard this. Make sure your sweetheart knows she's your star. Picture it. It's Valentine's Day, and she opens this really cool gift box and outslides a blue rose trimmed in gold. You know, the blue color of the sky just before the sun sets, and you can start seeing all the stars sparkling in the night sky. It's breathtaking. Now picture a magnificent real 24-karat gold rose deeply dipped in pure 24 karat gold with petals in this rich blue color covered in sparkles that mimic the stars in the sky. That's twinkle twinkle. The brand new exclusive rose only available at Steven singer jewelers, real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's day gift that lasts forever. It comes with your own free personal love note and it ships fast and free to the love of your life, your wife, your daughter or your sweetheart and it says i'm so lucky to have you in my life steven's brand new roses is 79 dollars but his real 24 karat gold dipped roses started only 59 go right now to ihatestevensinger.com that's ihatestevensinger.com Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, but I miss
1: you, man. It's been a while since we've done this.
0: Dude, it has been. We, uh, little peek behind the curtain. We've gotten way ahead. You were doing some traveling. I did some traveling, and now we're back here, settled in. And when I say here, you're actually across town from me right now.
1: What in the world's going on? Well, we are in beautiful, I guess, Madison, Alabama, just down the road from beautiful Huntsville, Alabama, home of the Thompsons, the world famous Thompson family. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you and I are going to, we're going to do a little business together this week. I'm well for the next two weeks. So I'm really excited about that.
0: I'm excited about it too. We've got lots of fun stuff coming your way, but perhaps nothing more fun than today. We're doing a watch along from January 19th, 1998 believe it or not, we're not watching nitro. We're actually watching Monday night raw. And when I first pitched you this idea, Eric, you got really excited. This of course is the famous episode of Monday night raw, right after the 98 Royal rumble where Mike Tyson comes on to the scene. And you thought this was a major watershed moment at the time, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think it was in November of 1997. Uh, somebody out there is going to correct me if I'm wrong or when I'm wrong. Cause you know how I am with dates. Um, but Vince came out, and he did this promo. I saw it the first time, I guess, about a year ago, where he basically told the audience, I'm going to paraphrase the whole thing. I don't remember what the verbiage was, but essentially let the world know he was going to be, WWE was going to be changing their creative approach, that the old style of of, of storytelling and the presentation in WWE was no longer what the audience wanted and Vince acknowledging what the audience was demanding, promised that he was going to deliver. And at the time I thought, eh, whatever. Um, But then I, shortly thereafter, I heard rumblings about Mike Tyson. And that, when I got that phone call, I got that phone call from Zane Bresloff. I'll never forget. I was down in Kissimmee, Florida. Actually I was taking flying lessons down there. So I had been, you know, my schedule was such that my, my, ability to take those lessons were really hitting and this. And, you know, when you're learning to fly, consistency is key, especially, you know, early on. So I decided I was going to go down to Florida and live in Kissimmee for, I think a month. And I was working out of Florida and I was flying every day for a couple hours a day. And then I, you know, work for 10 or 12 hours a day and whatever. And I remember I was at the flight school in Kissimmee, Florida. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I had just gotten back from a, a, a flight and my pager went off and it was Zane Breslov and he said, call me right away. It's urgent. Well, with Zane, everything was urgent, but you know, most of the time it was always very interesting. He would never call just for nothing, but he was really excited and wanted me to call him ASAP. So as soon as I got out, out of the plane and took care of my paperwork, I went to a payphone. Yes, there was a payphone there. And I called Zane and uh, he said, man, you're never going to believe this, but they're bringing in Mike Tyson. And when he said it, I took a pause about as long as I just did, and it it started soaking in. Now, I didn't connect the new, what was going to become the attitude era and the new way of telling stories, which is essentially to kind of adapt the formula formula that was working for Nitro and right. market an older demo and quit producing for teens and preteens and start going after the 18 to 39 or 18 to 49 year old audience. I didn't know that that's what. Vince meant when he made the big announcement that they were going to listen to the audience and change the, change the way they're approaching wrestling. But man, when I heard about Mike Tyson, it started giving me pause. And and, and I thought, man, if, if they use him, right, this is going to be a game changer and shit's going to be really serious because in 97, we were kicking WWE's ass early 1998, we were kicking their ass, but I was fearful. That the Mike Tyson thing would be a big deal. And, and, and I was unfortunately, well, for me, but fortunately for WWE, I was right. It was a huge, I think it was the pivot point in WWE. I really do. I think it so many things happened just in this one angle. You know, I think Steve Austin's, you know, equity went right through the roof. He was already a big star, he was already, you know, heading in the right direction. But with the Tyson storyline, he just got catapulted into the stratosphere. I think Vince McMahon, you know, became a real character and not a parody of one um, when, when he came out as you know the owner, you know, yeah. I think for the first time, but took on a more serious role. And if you go back and you look, you know, Vince even changed the way he dressed. He started wearing a black jean jacket to the ring. God, I wonder where he got that idea. But everything changed everything changed and in a big loud effective way
0: well it's going to be fun to go back and revisit we're doing something kind of unique this week here on our series of programs here with eric today we're going to watch the raw from that era and later this week on thursday with jim ross we're going to watch the nitro from that era which is actually a pretty big show it's got hollywood hogan and the giant and the superdome and new orleans so Uh, There's a lot of big stuff happening in professional wrestling here on Monday, January 19th, 1998. We're going to watch along with you. The show has a runtime today of one hour, 32 minutes, and 45 seconds. We want you to watch with us over on the WWE network. Uh, So go click on your raw tab, scroll down until you can select 1998, and there you'll see January 19th, 1998. And uh, I'm at all zeros I'm ready to roll when you are, Eric no,
1: no b- before we go, though, you know because some people are now watching us, obviously all of our uh, our family, all of our cousins over at adfreeshows dot com are going to be watching this. And I noticed today, this is the first time you and I've been you know on screen together a bit, you've got that really badass looking backdrop. Just exactly how many belts do you have in that showcase?
0: You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I should probably actually run a count, but uh, we we did a little decorating while we were off. Uh, when I went down to, uh, vacay for a week for the wife's birthday, I had the guys come in and install all of my new office set up and you can actually watch the show and watch us watch the show over at adfreeshows.com. And yeah, a lot of these belts are going to be the subject of title chase. Have you seen episode one yet, Eric? I have not. We did the almost like a, a, how it's made type documentary on the WCW United States championship. Probably most synonymous with ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, and it's on the the bookcase behind me. And we'll do one on each of these belts behind me. And we're going to have some fun with that. And we just recently announced, I don't know if you saw, but uh, our second conversations with Conrad is coming up. I got to sit down with the one and only Jim Crockett Jr. How about that?
1: That's going to be very interesting, man. Talk about stories to tell and digging back. That's going to be great. You're, you're doing a great job with the conversations with Conrad. I have to tell you, I'm really, really impressed. But before we we go on, I counted, by the way, 24, what appears to be 24, maybe 23 <laughs> belts that you have back there. Now, I I know you don't like to talk about, you know, how wealthy you are. And oh, gosh. All that. So, and I'm not going to brag for you, um, but – what would be the estimated value of all of that hardware you have behind you?
0: Ah, whatever somebody's willing to pay. You know, it's one of those really subjective things. It's not like there's a Kelly Blue Book for wrestling belts.
1: I have a question for you. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's and renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you've already got so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Hey,
0: real quick, I want to remind you, if you've got credit card debt or if you're in a 30-year loan, save with Conrad.com can get you the best deal you've ever had. Can we get you a better interest rate on your mortgage? Absolutely. Can we help you pay your house off faster and keep roughly the same monthly payment? We do it all the time. What about credit card debt? Can we help you knock that out? 100%. We should mention we routinely help our listeners say five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. We're licensed in more than 40 states, so what are you waiting for? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NOLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Seriously, let me and my staff at First Family Mortgage help you get 2021 started right. Save a boatload of cash at SaveWithConrad.com.
1: Well, something tells me somebody's going to be opening up a restaurant at some point in time, and you're going to be getting a phone call. And like everything else you t- you seem to touch, it will turn to gold. One more thing before we go. Do you know what a fucking slimcado is?
0: I saw your tweet today, and I, I, I had to look it up. It feels like it's a less fat version of an avocado. What
1: fun is that? It's bullshit is what it is. And, Lori, just before we started this podcast, Lori, because I've been talking about slimcados for a week we i i'm go I'm in a public's grocery store in Florida right we just we just got up to Huntsville yesterday um so we drove up from Huntsville what we were in in Florida for a month visiting you know with the kids yeah the holidays had a great time wonderful time but I went into a public's grocery store because you know mrs B and I eat a lot of avocados right and we go I, I go into the publics and I see these Big ass avocados. I mean, they're huge. And I thought, Oh my God, those are the biggest avocados I've ever seen. I'm going to have to get one. Well, of course I didn't get one. I got five. Cause if one's good, five will be better. Right. And I knew we'd eventually eat them anyway. So I go over and I pick up these big ass avocados and I mean, they're huge Conrad. They're, they're like, They're like that big, you know, they weigh about a pound and a half. I was so excited because I love avocados and so does Mrs. B. So we get home and I crack open one of these avocados and it's a different color kind of, of avocado green. It it, it just looks a little more like it's got a hint of orange or something in Mm. it. So the, the color was a little off, but do I give a fuck about the color? No, man. It's all about the texture and the taste and the nutrition so I dig into this slim cado and it tastes nothing like an avocado. Nothing. I don't and I I said to Laura I said this is bullshit. You should not be able to call this thing whatever this thing is an avocado because it's not an avocado. Conrad, how would you feel if you went into the butcher shop and you oh. saw what you thought was a great looking steak in the cooler, right? And you get all excited about it, you bring it home and you cook it and you you cut into it and it doesn't cut like a steak it doesn't taste like a steak but they called it a steak no it's good. just it's it's horrible and anyway slimcato suck i had to google it like you i figured out what it is and it's not a It's not a genetically modified gimmick. It's what I think they did is a crossbred, I don't know, a fucking tangerine with an avocado or something. I don't know what they did, but supposedly it's less fat. Well, guess what? That's the best thing about an avocado. That's nutritional fat. That's the kind of fat that your body and your brain fucking need. And they're going to cut out all the nutrition, the majority of it. And they call it a slimcado. I hate the fucking things. If you happen to be going into a grocery store looking for an avocado, make sure you don't pick up one of these. Big ass fuckers that look like avocados, but don't taste like avocados and have zero nutrition, or at least not enough to matter. Okay. I just wanted to share that with the world. It's a public service announcement for those people who love avocados. (sighs) Okay. Sorry.
0: Before we get going, we do need to pay the bills and remind everybody today's show is brought to you by slim Cotto by two, get one free right now. (laughs) No, we're kidding.
1: All right. Quick timeout. Twinkle twinkle little star. Everybody's heard this, right? Make sure your sweetheart knows she's your star. Now, close your eyes. Picture this. It's Valentine's Day. And she opens up this really cool gift box and out slides a blue rose trimmed in gold. You know, the blue color of the sky just before the sun sets. And you could start to see all the stars sparkling in the sky, right? You've seen that. It's breathtaking. Now, picture a magnificent, real 24-karat gold rose deeply dipped in real, pure 24-karat gold with petals in this rich blue color covered in sprinkles that mimic the stars in the sky. That's Twinkle Twinkle. The brand-new exclusive rose only available at Steven Singer Jewelers. That's real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure, 24 karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee it's always the number one valentine's day gifts and it lasts forever forever it comes with your own free personalized love note and it ships fast and free to the real love of your life whether it's your wife your daughter your sweetheart and and say to them i am so lucky to have you in my life Steven Singer's brand-new rose is only $79, but his real 24 karat gold-dipped roses start at just $59. Go right now to IHateStevenSinger.com or IHateStevenSinger.com. Do you own or rent your home?
0: Sure you do. Fortunately, Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. Geico.com. Uh, we're, we're firing up Monday Night Raw, January 19th, 1998. I'm at triple zero. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have some fun. Eric, are you ready? Fire away, brother. Here we go. We're going to do a quick countdown, and when I say play, you'll press play. In three, two, one, play. Oh, man, a little tribute to Vince's mom. Sad to see her pass away here. I didn't remember the show starting that. Week. In over
1: 100 countries, in seven different languages, to more than a half billion viewers each week, the World Wrestling. Federation. Now, why am I here? Are you here, Mike?
0: No, I've got, I've got to track a little bit. All right, that's
1: cool. I just want to make sure because I don't want to get in any Last trouble. Last week, with, you know, World Wrestling VKL. Federation
2: I, fans I all over the world. I get
0: hot. Uh, we'll
1: meet. it. I'm not that
0: worried about it. We're recapping what happened. Right after the Royal Rumble, of course, in that show, we saw Mike Tyson sit in the skybox with Shane and at times Vince McMahon, he's going to cheer on his old pal, cold stone, which is what he was calling Steve Austin back then. I don't know if he was a big ice cream fan or what. As a reminder, Austin wins the rumble Kane and Paul bear murder the undertaker following his loss to uh, Sean Michaels. And most notably, this is the show wrestling fans. Remember as being where Sean hit his back on the edge of the casket and effectively ended his in-ring career for what we thought was forever. He would power through that year's WrestleMania and then take a break for more than four years. But listen, there's a lot of moving and shaking going on here. As we've talked about Mike Tyson coming in, what a big visual this is going to be to set this casket on fire. But Shawn Michaels had been the best in-ring performer for a number of years at this point. When you get word on the other side, that, Hey, Shawn's hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Are you thinking, does it even cross your mind if that's an opportunity or is it more just, Oh man, that sucks?
1: No, it was a, Oh man, that's gotta suck. Um, you know, it, again, I can't overemphasize we're, we had at WCW. We're in a pretty good role. We're feel, feeling pretty confident. We've been competing against WWE with Shawn Michaels very effectively for a long time. So yeah. it wasn't like I thought that was going to be a big factor, not taking anything away from Sean, um. But it was, it was just more of a, you know, that sucks for Sean, you know, reaction more than anything.
0: By the way, they're at the selling arena in Fresno, California, there's 7,329 fans here, but that's a sellout. uh, And they're uh, bringing in $123,000 at the gate. So this tells you where the the company thinks their business is. I know everybody's going to continue to talk about Mike Tyson, but I want to remind you again, Nitro is at the Superdome in new Orleans. And we have a sellout crowd here of 7,329 at Monday Night Raw. So we're running different size buildings. There's different levels to this shit. And uh, you guys are clearly in control. Look at the sign era. Do you miss this? There are being signs everywhere. These fan, these days, fans just tweet or post on Instagram. But back then, it was cardboard magic marker.
1: You know, I think, and I understand it. Again, as a producer, I understand why the signs are problematic. Because, they, you know, look, if you're... If you're sitting in the seats and you've paid good money and you've got kids with you, your friends with you, and you've got people in front of you holding up signs constantly, it's hard to see what's going on. So I get, I get the problem that it creates, and you also have people that are writing signs that are sometimes, and it very rarely happen, but occasionally something that's totally inappropriate. But over the last few years, you know, signs are like, yeah, you can't bring signs, and I think that's. That's part of the energy that I think, even with the live crowd pre-COVID, it's, God, man, it just made you feel like the audience was really engaged. I think fans got excited about holding their signs up and being a part of the show. And as you, you notice now, you know, you don't see any of that, but fans find another way to get involved in the show. And I think that, as from a producer's perspective, it's even worse. It started with the Steve Austin, what chance? You know, and once the audience tries to hijack the show in any way, it makes it tough for the performers. And it ta- I think it takes away from the show overall. So my, I, my vote, give them their freaking signs back. Let them have all the fun they can have with those signs because I think it adds to the energy as opposed to what we see today, which is fans basically trying to hijack the show in other ways.
0: We're also coming off a report that was in the Observer that basically said, the WWF hotline had been teasing that Hulk Hogan might actually be in the Royal rumble. And of course, Dave's very critical of that back in the day though, the hotline business just felt, I don't know, scummy, scammy, both. What was your P
1: it was a hotline much different than the dirt sheets back in the day. I mean, they were pretty scummy and scammy, especially well, Melters. I think I mean, the difference—how much, how, how much nonsense and uh, ridiculous headlines and story and content—you know—did did, has Dave made a good living off of over the last thirty years?
0: Just to be clear, your your response, I guess, is uh, if you can't beat them, join them. It's not different than what they're doing. Why can't we do what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, why not? Why not? I don't think anybody thought that the, the, the hotline, you know, we never, we never put ourselves out there. We didn't hire journalists and, and, and identify them as journalists and claim to be news, you know, hotline was a hotline. I think everybody knew what the hotline was. It was just as much entertainment as some of the stuff that we did on television, but yeah, it was, it was never meant to be taken seriously. We never tried to pretend it was.
0: We see uh, Paul bear here doing a promo. Of course they're reveling in the fact that they've killed the undertaker. There's some other news. You ever,
1: did, did you ever meet the? Uh, did you ever meet Paul Bear? I did not. Did you? I I have not either. But everybody that I've ever you know known that was close to him and worked with him had nothing but great things to say about him.
0: I mean, all I've heard is we would have gotten along like peas in a pod. Another big wrestling fan here from Alabama. Uh, he, it looks like uh, we like a lot of the same things. Um, Davey Boy Smith makes the news here. It's written, Davey Boy was backstage at the same night as Nitro. His start was held up a few weeks as there were complications in getting his release from the WWF. As it was all settled, Smith, Brett, and Jim Neinhart will all have the right to tag up, but not use the Hart Foundation name, which is owned by the WWF. At one point, they were considering, and probably still are considering, doing a feud with Flair, Benoit, and Steve McMichael. But since they can't use the name Hart Foundation, there might be some concern as both Hart and Smith as faces in the program would seem to be the heels. Smith and Neidhart were both dressed in their ring gear, but the decision was made not to use them on TV. Even though Flair worked as a heel in the angle with Hart and Neidhart, everyone cheered Flair, and they didn't want a Smith debut getting booed. I'll presume Smith will be on within one week. So a lot to unpack here. This is all fallout, though, from the Montreal screw job, Davy Boy, Jim Neidhart, Bret Hart, all coming over to WCW. Of course, in 97, they were part of the hardest, the hottest faction in the WWF, which was the heart foundation here, of course, the WCW, the NWO still running roughshod, but I do like the idea heart foundation versus four horsemen. Why don't you think that ever actually got off the ground?
1: Well, you know, I think the Montreal sc- screw job and, and the fallout from it was something that nobody obviously anticipated, right? We didn't have months to determine what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it with the Heart Foundation, so it wasn't part of any long-term plan. It was a spontaneous kind of opportunity, so there was no real plan in place, and a lot of the other main players were already in storylines, so it wasn't like you are just going to drop everything you've been doing right in the middle of it and start out fresh and pretend none of your other stories were happening. That was part of it. The other part of it was... You know, a couple of the aforementioned talent that came over had some issues. Right. Um, drug and otherwise. So um, that was a problem. So there just wasn't a lot of urgency. Sure. Uh, to try to create something that didn't feel like it was time yet.
0: I know you're trying to be careful and respectful, and Lord, I appreciate that. But were those uh, um, observations present? your first meeting, but do you hire these guys sort of side unseen based on a recommendation and reputation? And then you meet them and you're like, I don't think this is who I thought I was signing.
1: Um, I, I, I didn't meet with them prior to signing. I obviously knew exactly who they were of course. and had a pretty, pretty good idea of, you know, what their respective values would be to the roster at that point. Um, it wasn't, a, I, I didn't feel the need to sit down and have a conversation with them. So, um, I was a bit taken aback and it wasn't obvious. It wasn't like the first time I saw these guys, you know, that it was obvious that they were, and it wasn't all of them, by the way, I want to be careful too. I don't want to paint with a wide brush, Sure. but you know, of the individuals that had obvious issues, um, it wasn't immediately obvious, but subsequently after the first time or two, we were together, it became really apparent.
3: you find yourself trying to fill the void of missing out on attending wrestling shows or fan conventions how about those meet and greets shaking your favorite wrestler's hands and snagging that quick picture with them well if that's the case you're in luck because the solution is adfreeshows.com not only can you enjoy your favorite podcast on videos at adfreeshows.com but by signing up today you will have instant access to exclusive interactive events where you meet and talk to your favorite legends and yes, active wrestlers. And I'm not talking about just seeing them. No, you will be able to converse with them and they will get to know you on a first name basis. Plus, there are all kinds of other experiences and shows available only to the ad free shows community. Conrad Thompson walks you through his private collection of rare collectibles in a series called The Collection, and he recently reviewed this one of a kind item.
0: And today I'm going to show you something that wasn't exactly ring used, uh, but it could have been. It's dead stock from the World Wrestling Federation, and it's autographed by not just one, but two of the all-time greats. Here's the deal, when I was a fan, when I was a little kid, it was all about this logo and this style
3: turnbuckle. And this one is signed by not only Hulk Hogan, but Roddy Piper. This show has been fantastic, and you never know what he will have to show you next. And how can I forget? the brand new monthly documentary that recently debuted title chase. This has been a tremendous success for ad free shows. Conrad shares the full history of the WCW United States championship belt that was crafted by none other than Reggie parks from the concept of the belt to discussing how it was made and a review of the full lineage of title holders. Just listen as Conrad discusses why who made the belt impacts its value.
0: Collectors know that while it's fun to own a championship belt, who made the belt is what helps determine the value. But how do you know who made a belt? Just like an artist who works with paints or oils, those who work with leather also sign their work. Of course, this signature isn't done with a pen or a brush, but rather a stamp. A Reggie Park stamp on the tip of your belt not only means your belt has significantly more value in the collector market, It's also becoming a symbol of excellence, akin to the spirit of ecstasy on a Rolls-Royce or the star on a Mercedes-Benz hood ornament.
3: So what are you waiting on? Fill that void in your life. Join the family. Go to adfreeshows.com right now and gain immediate access to everything mentioned and so much more. Of course, all ad-free. So, sign up now and become a part of the fastest growing wrestling community today at adfreeshows.com.
0: We just saw them hand Mike Tyson a planted sign that says WCW sucks, and he rips it in half. And we see Shawn Michaels talking to Triple H in the back here, and China right there. She's got both the European and the world title over her shoulder. China, I'm really surprised we never actually saw in WCW. It did feel like. When she was bouncing around and, and leaving here, that would have been a prime pickup, but it didn't happen.
1: No, and you know I'm not really sure why, other than and we've have I think touched on this previously. There weren't a lot of women in the industry at that time. Women right. that could work, right? You know, there was a lot of women, but they were generally valets ballets, eye candy type roles. They, they weren't physical in the ring, especially if it's physical, someone like China. So there just wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity. There wasn't a lot of creative opportunity because we just didn't have a lot of women on board. And that was a part of it. I'm sure. We're
0: at 1352, 53, a little bit of trouble with our network, but I like this version of triple H, by the way, the sophomoric arrogant, cocky heel, but almost in the two position behind Sean. I think this might actually be my favorite version of DX before everybody else actually joined the, the group. What was your take on DX? Obviously a lot of people think, oh, well, this is the WWF's answer to the NWO.
1: I think it should be pretty obvious that it was, um, it was entertaining as hell. I mean, look, they, they, they knocked it out of the park. I wasn't a big fan of Shawn Michaels character in DX. I think he he overplayed it. He tried too hard to be cute. And only by about 10 or 20%, you know, it wasn't horrible overacting. But Triple H to me seemed a lot more natural at it. He didn't have to force it quite as hard. I think he was having a lot more fun with it. Or maybe it was vice versa. Maybe the reason Sean overacted as much as he did is because he was having so much fun with it. But there was no question that it was a really, really powerful faction. The time was right. I think I'm going to go on record. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I think what got DX over more than anything, more than Triple H, more than Shawn Michaels was Shawn Waltman. hmm I think that added a level of credibility when it happened and just made it feel, it made it feel more real. Yeah. It brought, it brought more care, more, more of an edgy character with it. And I think because of the way he left, you know, WCW and the rhetoric back and forth and all of that, but it, it felt like war. It felt like it should have felt during the Monday night war era.
0: Were you grinning ear to ear when he comes out the night after the mania show and. Eric Bischoff
1: you suck pal and blah blah blah. Um, yeah I kind of was yeah. you know I was still pretty cocky at that point and wasn't too worried about too much but um, I mean I was concerned don't get me wrong but I, I kind of liked it because it was it was what made the Monday Night War the Monday Night War. It felt like a real war. We weren't just in the same time period you know, on the same night, we were actually doing everything we could to undermine each other and and, and to overpower each other. And it's one of the reasons that I think the Monday Night War era will probably be recognized, you know, in the decades to come as, you know, the most significant era in professional wrestling possibly um, in our lifetimes, maybe second only to You know, the WWF, when Vince McMahon decided to, you know, raid all the territories and take his company national, that was without question, the biggest pivot point in professional wrestling. But I think the extended era of the Monday night wars and and everything that happened in it probably changed professional wrestling more than almost anything up until that point.
0: Of course, this is very much the gang warfare era of the WWF. I guess the takeaway is, well, they love the NWO. So let's create a bunch of ga- gangs here. So we had Los Barriquas and we had, well, lots of other bad ideas. But here's two: Nation of Domination, which is going to crank out a series of Hall of Famers, and the Disciples of Apocalypse. Of course, you worked with the Harris Boys a little bit down in TNA, and
1: I don't know, maybe WCW. Did you work with them any in WCW? I really didn't. I think they were in WCW while I was still uh, president there, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really interact with them at all. Uh, if I did, it was inconsequential, you know, right. passing by or brief conversations, but never really got a feel for them as individuals.
0: I want to mention, um, the week before this, Perry Saturn suffered a concussion in his match with Booker T and, um, a few months after that is when Booker T was in the ring, when Rick Martel's career ended, we've got a, uh, a producer on our show here who has a bit of a hard on for. Booker T. So anytime he injures someone, I, I find it in my notes here. Uh, was there ever, cause I'll be honest. I never heard Booker T was dangerous or he hurt guys or any of that. Uh, but producer Stan here has decided that Booker T is one of the most dangerous wrestlers ever.
1: Oh, come on. I'm, I'm like you kind I've never heard that. Me neither, before.
0: but it, it, it is interesting. This guy tears an ACL with Booker. This guy gets a concussion. This guy, it does start to feel like, okay, maybe we all just turned a blind eye here, but I don't know how that would be, but, uh, you're going to hear more of that on the show because producer Stan has a hard on for Booker T. Well,
1: Stan, I don't know we're going to have a conversation when we get together next time, bud, but I, you know, i I've never heard that. I'm not saying it's not true. I guess I've never been in the ring with, but you think we would have heard that, especially you, you know, everything. Conrad.
0: I don't know about that to
1: everybody. You're first, you spend 20 hours a week digging into the dirt and into the weeds with some of the biggest names in the history of professional wrestling, whether it's Jim Ross or Arnie Anderson or Tony Schiavone or Bruce Pritchard anybody would know it'd be any one of those guys. I find that hard to believe, but let's, let's ask Arn. Arn would tell you.
0: By the way, we've got a big announcement to add to that list of names later this month, but a name who won't be adding to that list with the WWF it's Hulk Hogan. Meltzer would say Hulk Hogan has not signed his new contract, which we've been led to believe would be for three years. Nor do I expect he will sign anytime soon as being a free agent at this point, gives him some major leverage. He could leave. Although I don't think there's much to this idea of leaving right now. WWF sources vehemently deny there have even been preliminary talks with him and WCW sources insist he's going nowhere. His not signing still leaves questions unanswered. Randy Savage is under contract through the end of 98. So there's nothing to those rumors at all. The Giants contract expires in March and the WWF is very interested in him. And his name did come up behind the scenes at the WWF over the weekend more as something hoped for as opposed to something expected. So a lot to unpack there. We know for sure that the giant is going to make the jump and it's going to be a a big deal. It's the following year though, I believe, before we actually see it. But Hulk Hogan though is something that we've sort of fantasy booked with Bruce a little bit because he had heard the rumor and innuendo was the Hulk might be available and there was even some, fantasy booking of what if you could do a a stone cold and a Hulk Hogan at a WrestleMania, that would have been something else. Were you even remotely concerned that he might be looking somewhere else? Or did you think you had a tight enough relationship where that was just not an option?
1: I, I wasn't concerned. I was aware. Look, that you know, there, Hulk and 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 Vince, uh, they're like the most dysfunctional married couple in the world. Still, um, I, to this day, to this day, yeah, it's you know, look up love hate relationship, and here's those are the two names that are going to pop up. It's ridiculous, but throughout, even when when Hulk was with. You know, WCW, you know, he would tell me if he had a conversation with, with Vince. We were in Denver one night, and he said he was going to go meet Vince for a drink in his hotel room. You know, cool. Give me a shout when you get back. You know, I mean, I was aware, and I was also very much aware that, you know, Hulk was a master negotiator. You know, he loved to keep his options open. He loved to you know, have as much leverage and have as many options as he possibly could so that he could make the best choices for him and his family. So, you know, I was aware of how Hulk operated, but deep, you know, the conversations that he, by that point, Hulk and I became pretty good friends beyond just work friends, you know, and just based on the conversations that he and I would have that had nothing to do with negotiating and just, I mean, really casual conversations. Um, I just, the things he said just led me to believe that there was no way he was going to leave the relatively comfortable environment he was in in WCW and jump back into the shark pool, you know, that was WWF. So, or WWE. So I was aware that they were speaking from time to time, but deep down inside, I really wasn't concerned.
0: Everything's broken down here on raw. see the rock as the intercontinental champion do a run-in to protect his crew the nation of domination of course he's in the middle of a feud for the intercontinental championship with ken shamrock either one of these guys on your radar at this point i mean ken shamrock came in with such a uh, a big background from the ufc it feels like somebody you would have given your martial arts background been excited about but we never saw him in wcw
1: I, you know, his name never came up. He didn't have a lot of advocates, you know, there weren't a lot of people that were, you know, bringing his name up in meetings, you know, when we were talking about people that may or may not be available, you know, in the future, for whatever reason, you know, Ken's name just never came up. I wasn't as familiar with him. There's Mike Tyson. Oh God, man. He was, he was, you could not have picked a better person for that role. I mean he I mean talk about controversy. Yeah. Come on. He had, did time in prison for rape for crying out loud. Um and obviously you know the world knew him as
0: oh my, oh my gosh God. a Vic Venom promo. How about it? I uh, forgot about these.
1: Please oh my God. Imagine that in black and white Good idea.
0: Just promoting Yeah. The raw magazine. Here we go. Whether you own or rent Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Go to Geico.com today.
2: Hey everyone. Ian Riccoboni here, the play-by-play voice of ring of honor wrestling each week. Kerry Silken and I deliver last stop Penn station, a podcast equal parts ring of honor history and Kerry Silken memoir highlighting his time as ROH owner and detailing how he got there. Hustling tickets and hitching rides throughout the 70s and 80s, getting sober in the 90s, and taking ROH to new heights under his ownership. Carrie and I are coming to adfreeshows.com. We could not be more excited, and we're coming with exclusive content, including Last Stop Penn Station presents the Poster of the Week videos where Carrie and I highlight one of the thousands of vintage wrestling posters in his collection. In addition, our video series 55 and 5, a wrestler-by-wrestler look at the 1955 Parkhurst Wrestling Trading Card Set is coming to adfreeshows.com exclusively in audio form. We ask you give us a whirl on Last Stop Penn Station wherever you get your podcasts. Hear about Carrie selling blow to Belushi, sneaking into the first WrestleMania, and how ROH got to England and Japan, and then join us for exclusive content coming soon to adfreeshows.com.
0: Bro, this is property of Marvelous Mark Miro. Wrap <laughs> them things down, girl.
1: By the way... Now, how I- long do you, did you... Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> oh...
0: So, uh, stu- stupid, ass Stan says the uh, magazine lasted until July of 06,
1: July of 06. Okay.
0: Lasted longer than Vince Russo did as editor. He did bigger stuff without the magazine. Hey, your boy, Mark Curtis has been sidelined in this era, uh, for stomach cancer, one of the most beloved WCW referees. What can you tell us about referee Mark Curtis?
1: Man, I know I've said things like this before. and I don't want people to think that I'm insincere when I say it, but there are certain people when you're around them, you just feel better about yourself and about your job and about the moment that you're in. Mark was that guy. Mark always had a smile on his face. You could tell he was grateful to be in the position that he was in and the industry that he was in. He just—he uh, never missed a beat. He never missed a beat. He was a solid referee as a professional, but he was—he was a great guy to, to have around backstage. He's, you know, if you could have, if if your roster had half as much of a positive attitude as Mark Curtis came to the to the job with every day, uh, it would it would have been a wonderful thing. He was just a great guy and a great referee.
0: Speaking of great referees, we got referee Tim Whiten here for this Tom Brandy, Mark Merrow match. What's it like to see uh, Mark Merrow here as another character, not Johnny B. Bad.
1: I like his look. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm i I like his look. I, I'm, I guess I'm more than anything. I, I was a horrible kick to the head though. Mark, come on. That was, I was so happy to see him get rid of the, you know, the Johnny B. Bad little Richard. Yep. Gimmick. Because uh, I, I think it buried him. I, I think it probably did more to you know, shorten his career than anything. Um, So I, I love the look. It's a lot easier to take the guy seriously and the stories that he's in.
0: I want to mention something else that's in the news in this era. The Giant landed a role in Adam Sandler's new movie, Waterboy. The Giant's getting a lot of movie roles while he's here in WCW Jingle All the Way, Waterboy. Uh, is this something he's doing on his own? Are people reaching out through Turner? I mean, he's got a quite the unique look. I could see why Hollywood would be interested, but I'm curious, did he have an agent or is this something WCW's helping him put together?
1: He did, and I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the guy's name. It was uh, the same guy that was actually, you know, was instrumental in, in getting Paul signed at WCW. I just cannot remember his name. But no, he got, his agent got real active. Uh, I don't think Barry Bloom was working with, Paul at that point, he may have been, um, and, and I may not have known it. That's possible. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure it was this other agent, and perhaps his name will come to me before the end of this podcast. But he was getting him a lot of stuff. And then, of course, Hulk, because Hulk really liked Paul White a lot. Right. Saw a lot of future in Paul White. And, of course, Hulk you know, hooked Paul up with Henry Holmes to help negotiate some of his deals in Hollywood, and that didn't hurt either, so... Uh, but I'm not sure who was, who's was spearheading it. it, but it didn't have anything to do with Turner.
0: Something else in the news here is Conan does an internet chat, which at the time was a big deal. This is pre social media. He's praising the direction of the WWF. And he said that WCW isn't interested in pushing the Mexicans and that when their contracts run out, he expects that a lot of them will try to go to the WWF. You had a, um, interesting relationship with Conan in this era. Is this one of those, God damn it, come to the office type situations?
1: You know, I didn't care. You know, it was Conan being Conan and that's exactly the way I reacted to it. It was like, you know, he was, he was negotiating, he right. was negotiating in the media. He was doing what Conan was so good at. And look, he made a lot of money. He, he helped make a lot of guys, a lot of money. I think Ray Mysterio probably owes you know, Conan, a a, a debt of gratitude for a lot of the things that, that Conan got done for Ray. So he was doing what he felt he needed to do at the time. I wasn't, um, as understanding as I am right now, but looking back, I get it, but it was, it was just Conan being Conan.
0: Jesse Ventura found himself in a little bit of hot water. He's now a talk show host in this era on KFAN. uh, he made a lot of, um, comments what he thought were off mic that were pretty politically charged and maybe not so polite i bring this up though because he had an on again off again relationship with hogan for years did you ever have a conversation with hulk about that
1: uh it was to my knowledge it was never on again it was always off again um I mean, I no, I never really talked to Hulk about it. You never never got into detail and asked him why or any. Oh my goodness, they're having some fun in the back of that hearse. Um, my, you know, recall on that is that it went back to the period of time when Jesse Ventura was trying to get the talent in WWE to unionize, and and Jesse's opinion, and I'm not sure he was wrong word got back to Vince through Hulk and that created a bit of a shit show. And that's where, um, Jesse, you know, harbored a lot of his resentment towards Hulk. So I just always assumed that was the source of the issue. Um, there was something more to it than that. I'm not sure what it was.
0: Stan, give us a, a, a time code here. Make sure everybody's
1: on track. Sure. We're
0: at 3150, 51 52.
1: All right. I'm just about two seconds ahead of you guys. So I will, uh, adjust my comments accordingly.
0: Oh no, you're good. We should also, um, we should mention that this is happening in an era where you're building based on what's happened at Starcade 97. There was the big controversy. Of course, Sting's the world champion. You've got your January pay-per-view, but you're really trying to set course for super brawl. What, where did super Brawl sort of fall in the hierarchy for WCW pay-per-views? It's not quite a, a Halloween havoc. It's not a starcade. Would it have been number three in your eyes or perhaps somewhere else?
1: Uh, well, what do we have? We, uh, we had starcade. We had Halloween havoc. Um, bash of the beach would have been third. Yep. I would say number four. In terms of significance, of course, Mike Tyson in the house. This was the beginning. This was this was the night, ladies and gentlemen, when the tide began to turn in a meaningful way, and it would never really turn back.
0: We see the Quebecers here. Uh, what is going to become PCO on the left and on the right? Boy, a lightning run in his own right. Jocker Joe. And out comes middle aged and crazy Terry Funk with a hood on his head, calling himself Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack. I love the Cactus Jack persona. I loved it in WCW. I loved it in ECW. I loved it in the WWF. But I think you actually preferred the Mick Foley character. Just come out as Mick and be Mick, right?
1: I, I did, but I'm like you, I liked, I mean, Cactus Jack, yeah, a little animated, but it also felt very real to me. I, I think of the two, honestly, I, I, I prefer, I, I prefer Cactus Jack of, of all of them.
0: What a body of work that guy put together. Oh, check out our referee. It's Mike Kyoto from adfreeshows.com. And
1: I like that. Well, he's you- getting a, he's getting a lot of steam on him over at ad free. Isn't he?
0: My gosh, dude, he's. He has no filter. He's just letting it fly. There's lots of political stuff within WWE that I just think, well, he'll never say that.
1: No, no. Ask the question. He's ready. Good for him. Takes a lot. Not a lot of people that come out of WWE have the, uh, the balls to do it. Of course, if he's got enough money in the bank, he doesn't have to worry about ever working again. That may have a lot to do with it.
0: (laughs) Well, I think also too, he's just like, you know, I did this for thirty years. I'm going to tell the truth. Good for him.
1: Hey, where does Mike live? Where does Mike live now?
0: I just relocated to Florida a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Talk to me a little bit about Jacques Rougeau, while we were on a, a break, and I guess no one listening ever knew you and I were on a break because we kept delivering shows. But a story came out where someone said, "Oh, I'll never forget the time that Hogan got paid thirty grand to do a job to Jacques Rougeau in Montreal." And I think the idea is every promoter I've ever talked to, whether it was a a Pat Patterson or a Bruce Pritchard or whoever, they would always say, well, Montreal's different. And the idea being you needed to have a a local star on top. And if you did that, you could promote really, really well and do big stove, big stuff. And in WCW famously, we all remember Jacques Rougeau and Hulk Hogan did have a big show in Quebec. But I think the idea that there was a, a creative change for 30 grand may have gotten you to chuckle.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I wasn't there. I, and I do remember vaguely remember, cause it was just not a big deal for us. WCW wasn't running shows up there. So it, 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 it just didn't really matter all that much to me. Um, but the idea that Hulk Hogan would do anything for 30 grand, I mean, I'm not sure Hulk Hogan would leave his house for breakfast if, if if there was work involved for 30 grand. I just, just not, just doesn't sound right. But there may have been more going on to it. Hulk may have been in the mood to do him, to not the favor in terms of wrestling vernacular. But, but you know, I know Hulk liked the shows and, he could be the kind of guy that in the right moment, if the mood was right and, you know, it wasn't television, there was no real downside. If he felt like he was helping somebody out, he he would do it then, but not just for the money. That makes no sense to me.
0: Right. Let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Rougeos. They were always a big part of the WWF, but it doesn't seem like they ever were as featured in WCW was in hindsight, should WCW have focused more of their business
1: on the Canadian market? Perhaps we had a tough time, you know, with the Canadian market. There's a lot of, you know, and I still, to this day, am not, not a hundred percent sure how WWE was able to overcome a lot of the challenges they they had doing business in Canada for example you know I've talked about this before I think you know on Canadian television you have to have a certain percentage of everybody that's involved with that show have to be Canadian citizens that's right whether it's writers or directors or actors and actresses or anything like that and because of that WCW had a real difficult time getting clearance. Decent clearance in Canada for television because we didn't have a lot of people that checked the Canadian content requ- requirement box. Now, we did go after the Rougeau brothers specifically to try to help us improve that situation, but we didn't feel, I didn't feel, that the Rougeau brothers really made too big of a difference. and didn't really have a lot of value. Um, to the American audience, they were great. They were, de- yeah, they were a great talent. They were certainly deserved a spot on the roster, but they weren't the type of team or the individuals that I felt would really move the needle here in the United States. It was right. simply, a, it was a strategic decision to bring them in to try to improve our situation in Canada uh, because we had a tough time with it. And number one, it was really expensive to go over there. You know, WWE had offices, I believe, in Toronto. Uh, Carl DeMarco. Carl DeMarco, you know, kind of had, of course, he was Canadian. He was the president of WWE Canada. So there was a lot of that, you know, structure, you know, corporate structure and and things in place in Canada that WCW just didn't have. We didn't have offices in Canada. We didn't have, you know, Canadian employees to kind of help beef up our relationship with the Canadian government. So our experiment with the Rougeau brothers was simply to help improve our clearance in terms of television in Canada. Again, not to say they weren't great talent. I don't want people to take that the wrong way, but we had a lot of great talent at that point. We didn't really need a lot more talent, but we did need to find a way to improve our situation in Canada. Cause there was a lot of money to be made there. Obviously.
0: You know, we sort of glossed over something earlier because we were in such other conversation. I want to circle back though. We talked about some of the sort of over the top silliness of the undertaker Kane stuff. Um, we see DX here interacting with the minis backstage, But we also, in the middle of that whole Mark Miro, Tom Brandy match, Sable was delivered flowers. Miro's upset by that. They're almost teasing that there might be some sort of domestic violence type situation, Uh, a a, a weird off-putting relationship with Miro and Sable, obviously doing that to get the heat on him and make her the sympathetic baby face. We see Tyson holding court with the legends here backstage, including Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe and, uh, Black Jack and Gorilla, boy, they got them all there. I think that's Skallan Slaughter. He's holding court with the old school cats. W- where are you at on you know? Listen, on the one hand, it's very unrealistic. We got guys summoning lightning and fire. On the other hand, hey, is that too real to have a a battered wife type situation? I don't know how you reconcile that on the same show.
1: Black Jack Bradshaw, did I just see that? Are we looking at? Yeah, they're
0: trying something new here. That's Barry Windham dyeing his hair, and that's Justin Hawk Bradshaw dyeing his hair. I actually, like this Blackjack look, and believe it or not, the NWA is represented here on WWF programming in January of '98. Out come the Rock and Roll Express, managed by Jim Cornette, and here's Double J. He is your NWA North American Champion. He's going to be
1: cat cannot double J. I love you, brother. I really do. I really learned to appreciate you as a human being and as a professional over the last couple of years. But brother, if if it wasn't for bad fashion, you needed somebody to tell you how to dress. Yeah. You just, your gimmick just sucked. Uh, Worst dresser in wrestling. Tony Schiavone, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. That's saying something too. Tony, I mean, you know, you, 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 Tony could, you know, fit into a crowd really easily. You didn't really notice how, how poorly Tony was dressed sometimes. And by the way, so was I. I was, I've never been, you know, a flashy dresser myself. But there's something about Jeff Jarrett's gimmicks that just every one of them, just, they're horrible.
0: It looks like him, him and DDP in like '95 went shopping with Brutus Beefcake. And this is what they came up with.
1: Yeah, and a jar of mushrooms or something.
0: I don't, I don't know, man. By the way, I love this version of the Blackjacks. I think they could have been a much bigger deal. Timing's everything, of course. But what a fucking impressive look! Bradshaw is here with the black hair and the mustache and those old school Austin Hall, st- Austin Hall style boots. He looks like a badass.
1: He definitely does, and he he, he is. Yeah, I mean, of he's course. A, he's a big, rugged tough son of a bitch, but yeah. And now he looks the part, you know, cause you look at John, if all you see is Layfield's face, he kind of looks like a baby Huey, nice guy next door, maybe a golfer. Yeah. You know, if you didn't see how physically big he is and intimidating, he can be, but, uh, yeah, he's one tough son of a, by the way, I was, when I was down in Florida, I got to hang out with Jerry Briscoe. Uh, we went out to, uh, we went out to lunch together and he was telling me about a show that, uh, he and, uh, John Layfield had just done on, I think it's John Layfield's podcast, and sounded like they had a great time. But we had a a great time talking about JBL. How cool
0: is it to see the Rock and Roll Express on Monday Night Raw?
1: Gotta be fun for them too, right? Gotta be. The two other, I mean, these are two guys now. Obviously, you know, none of us have been on the road now for almost a year. It'll be a year (laughs) before we know it, but. You know, I see these guys on the road occasionally when I'm, when we're traveling and and doing signings and conventions and things like that. And they still love every minute that they're out there with the fans. They look like they're having just as much fun today as they did back here in 98, when we're watching them work
0: Or, or 12 years prior to this, when they were the hottest tag team on the planet, I mean, 86, man, we've, we've been watching a lot of that with Tony Schiavone and dude, the rock and roll express, they were another
1: level, bud ever notice that every new year all you hear is new year new me now that's cool and it usually means you're either going to be picking up better habits or trying new things not yours truly i'm going to give ddp yoga a shot that's right you're hearing it here first on 83 weeks i'm going to give ddp yoga a shot and if you're going to take up a new hobby it's even better when you have amazing audio that will make the experience even better that's why i recommend wireless earbuds from raycon Whether it's following along to directions in the kitchen, hey, I've done that, or bringing in an audiobook while you're learning to knit. Mm, Not yet, but hey, hey, you never know. Or if you're powering through a new workout with a pumped up playlist in your ear, a pair of Raycons can make any activity easier and a better time. Raycon makes great audio accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half, half the price of other premium brands. And guess what? If you think having white stems dangling out of your ears looks kind of ridiculous, well, you're not alone. And that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycons. They come in a range of stylish colorways, but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a much more discreet look. And they don't just look great. Raycons perform wherever you take them with up to six hours of playtime, water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. Now, you've heard me say this before. I love my Raycons, So if you still don't have a pair of Raycons, I've really got to wonder why. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's all you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash 83 weeks. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and grab a spare. Share it with a friend. Who knows? That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash 83 weeks. Buyraycon.com slash 83 weeks. It wasn't too big a deal because I still look fairly young, even for my age. In my 30s, Yeah, I could get away with it a little bit into my 40s, but after a while, you know, you just start feeling obvious that you dye your hair. And to this day, I can see somebody, I can be in a grocery store and see someone six aisles away, you know, a a man with that, that dyes his hair. You can just see it. It's just so obvious, but Barry, you know, he wears it. Well, it looks pretty natural on him for some reason.
0: And by the way, this is it for the black Jacks. Barry Windham has now turned on John Layfield or Justin Hawk Bradshaw. And, uh, he's joined the NWA which I actually kind of like creatively, like former NWA guy, I guess. Hey, why not? Let's try it. But the NWA bringing it back in 90, 98, when the NWO's on the other channel, it feels a little bit like, okay, they're doing new shit on nitro. And we're trying to bring up nostalgia on raw. I don't know if that's the right direction.
1: Yeah, and this was at a, a period in time when WWE was spending a lot of time and a lot of money convincing the audience that, you know, WCW was – all of our talent was too old. Right. So it is It is a little weird. Hey, uh, Stan, can we take a quick break in three, two, one? Sure thing. All right. I got to use the restroom. I'm sorry, guys. All good. Yep.
0: Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing on nitro as they're, they're trying to promote tickets here, uh, for this Saturday. I like, they're actually doing all of the cattle calls for tickets. That tells you where the business is, but this era or this, this week is the go home week on nitro. You're sold out pay-per-view. So as a reminder, we're one day removed from the Royal rumble. We're a handful of days away from sold out 1998. This one's at the Hera arena in Ohio. Uh, not a huge building, 5486 in attendance on top it's Luger versus Savage we've also got Brett versus Flair Nash working with the giant a six man with Ray Trailer and the Steiner brothers taking on Conan Norton and Bagwell Larry Zbyszko working with Scott Hall Booker T with Rick Martel Ray Mysterio and Chris Jericho Benoit and Raven And then uh, an eight-man tag match with all the luchadors, including Hooventude, Super Calo, Jr., Chavo, all taken on La Parca, Psychosis, Silver King, and El Dandy. And who the fuck are we to doubt El Dandy? But sold out. We've talked about that before. Boy, pretty regrettable call in hindsight, the first one in 1997. You tried something fun. You tried something different. Critically wasn't a huge success. We come back with a sophomore effort in 98. Off the top of your head, what do you remember trying or thinking you needed to do differently in 98 than you did in
1: 99? You know, I think we went, I went creatively too heavy in, we were trying too hard to be different, Yeah, which is hard for me to say, because I believe, you know, you should, you know, focus on being as different as you can not only when it comes to your competition, but even some of your own programming, you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to try new things, but I, I went way too far. We're sold out in 97. So I think more than anything, just trying to pull back a little bit.
0: See the open for the second hour here. what do you think of the, or how can you explain, I guess, from a TV standpoint, the strategies of we're going to name hour one, one show and roll a little credit. Then we're going to do new open and name the second hour, a new show. I mean, effectively we're trying to get double the mileage, but it's just a little shell game, right? It's the same show.
1: Well, I I mean, there, there may have been some, um, advertising reasons, right. Um, to do that. So you had literally two separate shows. I don't know if that was the case or not in WWE at the time, or if that was the motivation I love, but the idea creatively, Strategically, I love the idea. And, you know, you, you could have a situation where you've got viewers that are really committed to watching something else during that first hour period, some other competitive programming, not necessarily WCW, but another type of programming. And they really don't want to sit down and start watching wrestling until an hour later. Or you could have somebody that's sitting there watching a two-hour show, and you want to do everything you can to make that second hour feel important so that it doesn't feel like an extension of the first hour, if that makes sense. I know I'm not really saying it the way I want to say it. You want the show, and we did the same thing. We did it differently. We didn't have really two different opens like that. I don't believe we did. No. Um, But during our resets, it felt like a whole new show. We'd change announced teams, for example. On a two-hour show, you have one team announcing in the first hour and another team announcing in the second hour. We tried that a few times. All of those efforts creatively were an attempt to mitigate the fatigue factor, to make people feel like they were really watching two very important hours as opposed to one long extended two hour show.
0: And here we see Mike Tyson with that big open collar doing his best Scarface impression with his posse backstage.
1: So much charisma. And I, you know, to this day, I I get the biggest kick out of Mike Tyson. I just... You know, even that, you know, pay-per-view that I watched, I was pretty pissed off about um, the majority of it. I, I found really uh, to be a joke, but I love watching Tyson do promos. I loved all of the, the the hype and all this, the, the the salesmanship, if you will. Yeah. From Tyson. He's just he's just such a charismatic, funny guy. I loved him in the Hangover movies. Um, he's just a cool dude. So check out what's happening here.
0: Hour one opened with Kane and of course, um, Paul bearer. And now hour two is starting and it looks like we found the undertaker. He's coming down from the ceiling. And remember he was, uh, set on fire the night before in a casket at the Royal Rumble
1: and you've never and seen, decided to drop him out of the ceiling. That's interesting. And you've We're never cool seen this
0: idea. before, right?
1: No, I never have. That's what, I mean, it's so much fun doing these shows anyway, because they, they forced me to to go back and watch the shows that I produced. But um, I I don't think I've ever gone back and watched something that the WWE produced during that period. So it's fun for me. Yep. What a difference. What a, def- what a difference a decade or two makes, huh? We had does that. It, how long does it? Doesn't that seem like it's been a decade since we've seen a live event? It does. I mean, it's, I'm beginning to miss it now. And it's not like Mrs. B and I go to a lot of concerts. We don't, we don't normally go to big events. Cause I don't really like being in crowds <laughs> truth be known, but man, I'd get excited about seeing a couple kids juggling on the street corner at this point, you know, I just, man, I want to see some live entertainment.
0: Well, I can make that happen. I can have Stan come over and
1: juggle in your front yard this week. I'm a, we're about ready for it. You know, we don't have TV here. I've got sling TV so I can watch like Netflix and all that, but I'm getting no football today. Oh, I'm really disappointed about,
0: well, we got to fix that. So check this out here. You see the undertaker. Let's track it a little bit here.
1: that now we got the stripper version of, uh, the undertaker.
0: It's a nice little misdirect. It
1: was well done. That's for show.
0: Shawn Michaels is having fun here. Is he not?
1: Do you think?
0: (laughs) And so now is one of the more controversial segments. You see hunter limping out with an apron on that says, suck the cook. They are going to have a grill here. And they're going to have various sizes of hot dogs, weenies, and salamis. And they're going to take turns jacking the meats off and talking about how big their penises are right here on Monday night. Raw
1: God, this has Vince Russo all over it. I wonder if he takes credit for this.
0: Well, I'm sure it was a hit in the ratings, so I'm sure he does.
1: I mean, this is, you know, you've heard in in so many of the Podcasts that we've done and discussions that we, when we talk about WCW and what it was like, in 98, 99. And I, you know, I often go back and I talk about AOL on Time Warner and all all the the pressure that put on us. But when we heard and when once it became obvious that WWE was going to go after, you know, the, the 18 to 49 year old demo that WCW really had a control of up to this point, literally that we're watching right now. They really went farther than WCW ever could have gone with a skit like this. I mean, even with all the crazy stuff that we did in WCW that I got away with, we would have never been able to pull this one. Not that I would have ever considered it. Honestly, it's just, I don't know. It's too sophomoric for me. I don't think it's funny, but obviously other people did.
0: (laughs) they're showing you, uh, the jumbo waneys, but China show us what you brought.
1: Oh, this is going to be, oh my God. Hey, Sean, this is obscene. Cool you came out here with a fire sale.
0: This is a, uh, a little silly, but this is Monday night raw here coming up in a moment, we've got uh, Owen Hart taking on Taka Michinoku or he's with Taka and the headbangers and they're going to take on Los Barriquas. It's it's uh, a mixed bag raw in this era. Is it not?
1: I'm not impressed so far. I mean, I haven't seen anything in the ring that stands out. No. You know, it's good. It's solid. But typically, when you think about WWE, one of the things that generally stands out in their product is, you know, the in-ring performances. And so far, I haven't seen anything that really uh that caught my eye in terms of a performance. Interesting, yes. Entertaining, okay. But not really what you would expect from, out of WWE when it comes to the in-ring.
0: Heavy on story so far, heavy on story.
1: There's heavy a on dia- heavy on dialogue. I don't know if the story part, part of it, just because you've got dialogue doesn't mean you have story, but since I can't hear most of it, I guess I shouldn't comment on that.
0: Meltzer would say after a week filled with mainstream news, stemming from the Mike Tyson, Steve Austin angle in Fresno, the involvement of Tyson and pro wrestling is subject to a lot of speculation and a few answers to questions in wide variety of circles. What we do know is the main event of WrestleMania at this point is scheduled to be Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin for the title, but we, we believe the plan is, and all along was going to be Tyson to be the referee for that match. But that role for Tyson is only speculation at this point. The belief from this end is just announcing Tyson as referee could help the pay-per-view somewhat based on a curiosity, but overall a special referee can only mean so much. So they would create an intricate storyline to get on that same end but hopefully make it to where people see it as more than just a former boxing champion refereeing a pro wrestling match as so many have done before from the likes of Rocky Marciano, Jack Dempsey, Joe Lewis, and so many others before. Now he doesn't make it super clear in anything in even all of the pull aparts and press conferences and all that. And so there's lots of speculation. Is Tyson going to wrestle when you heard they had Tyson, did you think there was a chance he would do anything in ring, or did you always sort of know they can't risk a pay per view draw like that? They're gonna have him do, do the old Ali enforcer role.
1: In, no, I didn't. Well, I didn't know anything. I, I wasn't getting any, you know, information out of out of WWE or anybody uh, that I knew was getting any information regarding Tyson. So I had no idea for sure. But I I, I would have been shocked. Uh, I assumed and would have been shocked surprised had they tried to do anything with him physically. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, I, and I knew from my own experience, you know, unless you've got somebody that's really willing to put in the time a Carl Malone, for example, or, or even Dennis Rodman, you know, and as controversial as Dennis was and showing up on time and things like that, when it came to putting in the work and doing what he needed to do, um, he did the work Carl Malone, I think was a student, Kevin green, the late Kevin green, who we just lost recently was another guy who really put in the time and put in the work. I, I didn't think that Tyson was going to be that guy to put in the time, and put in the work. So I just assumed that they were going to use him in some kind of important role, but I didn't see him being just a referee, but I didn't see him wrestling either.
0: I want to remind everybody that that Royal rumble the day before. Drew the largest buy rate for a WWF show since the 96 WrestleMania. So it's a big one. Sources within the company were predicting in excess of 300,000 buys. So right away, we know this is going to be a big deal. Meltzer would say, based on Tyson, or based on a lot of different things, my feeling is the plan that McMahon and Don King came up with, which was likely the plan listed in the Las Vegas newspaper where they tease a match but Tyson backs out and only refs thereby showing the power of the Nevada State Athletic Commission Tyson himself is portrayed throughout as a baby face he gets the big pop at mania his image is softened and the commission gets its authority kissed up to and Tyson supposedly backing down to their power and wishes again and in the end they reinstate him in July and he's back in boxing where he collects his real paydays so it is interesting that Perhaps there is a strategy here to even help Tyson get licensed in boxing. Of course, famously, he bit Evander Holyfield's ear the year prior and he was suspended. So he's trying to get back in their good graces. But the idea that Tyson was going to come out as a baby face, given the fact that he had bitten Evander's ear and went to prison for rape, uh, I don't know how that's going to happen.
1: I don't know, man. The American public's a strange place to be sometimes. <clears throat> they're, they're hard, especially the wrestling audience are a little hard to predict. I mean, Tyson was, he was another level celebrity, right? He, he wasn't just a celebrity. He wasn't just another football player. He wasn't just another basketball player. He was something special and unique. Um, I wasn't surprised or wouldn't be surprised that he'd get over as a baby face. It's just a natural reaction for people when they see somebody like that, that they wouldn't normally expect to be involved in wrestling. It's pretty hard to make them a heel.
0: I want to mention, um, this is a big deal. What we're watching right now, the largest total audience watching American wrestling at one point in the history of the Monday night wars, since the WWF lost NBC was from 10 to ten fifteen when WCW had Hogan versus giant do a match and that got a 4.7 rating or 3.413 million homes. And the WWF here has Shawn Michaels roasting weenies. And that gets a 4.1 rating or 2,934,000 homes. So combined this segment we're watching right now is 6,347,000 homes between here and Nitro. And this is actually the best rating that Monday Night Raw has drawn since the wars began. Overall on the night, they did a 4.0. The first hour got a 3.78, the second hour got a 4.23. The result is a 6.04 share. Of course, it peaked with a 4.7, which is 3.38 million homes for the final 15 minutes when Tyson and Austin uh, are both going to have their confrontation. By the way, even though that's a huge rating, still not enough to beat Nitro. It got a 4.44. The first hour got a 4.95 rating. The second hour got a 4.04 and a 6.63. So even though they pulled out their biggest of, of Trump cards, pardon the pun, Tyson, my goodness,
1: you still beat them, bud. it's amazing. I mean, when you hear these numbers, 6 million people, probably over 6 million people in during that period of time, during that quarter hour, over 6 million people watching wrestling and i'm sorry I'm, I'm i don't this always comes out wrong when i say it but those six million the wrestling audience is still out there yeah they're still out there it's up to people producing wrestling to figure out what it's going to take to get them back to the level that they existed at one point in time and yeah looking at it right now i don't know what it is i don't want to pretend like i've got you know, the secret sauce and i have the answer i don't i don't know what it is Somebody's going to figure it out because that audience is still out there. It's just a matter of capturing their imagination with something different. That's all it's going to take. They're still out there. They will still come. They will still come. If you create something that's exciting, that's interesting, that's different, people are always going to be there. They're always going to love wrestling. If it's it's just up to the promoters and the producers, to to find that hot button to figure out where it is.
0: By the way, uh, Nitro peaked this night before Raw ever got on the air. They drew a five point two rating for the Steiners taking on Bagwell and Conan. That happened between eight forty five and nine. Um, the seventy nine minutes the two shows were head to head. Nitro do a, drew a four point oh four. Raw drew a three point eight four. A very close margin, including having the advantage of the first fifteen minutes head to head by a 4.1 to a 3.5, which was no doubt just curiosity over Tyson. But the second quarter hour saw WCW ahead 3.8 to 3.6, and it remained ahead for the rest of the head-to-head time slot. And um, the Nitro replay actually came just shy of its all-time record, doing a 2.26 rating and a 4.57 share. The, the replay is something that we don't talk a ton about raw. Didn't have a replay. Nitro had a replay. you obviously have different initiatives because one's a wrestling company, one's a TV company. Did you think the replay helped you or hurt you overall?
1: Um, it, it was a double edged sword. It, it did both. Um, you know, it helped us on the West coast quite a bit. Um, but it also created a situation where a lot of people on the East coast and the Midwest was like, "Eh, I don't really have to watch the, the, the original one. I'll watch the replay. You know, I can watch WWF and then just watch the replay of nitro. So it did hurt us. I think how much, who knows there's no way to really put a number on it. It would just be an estimate, but I think it probably hurt our first airing, Probably, I'm mean, you know I'm just guessing conservatively, ten to fifteen percent is probably what the the number of people that said, yeah, I'll catch it on the replay, I'll watch WWE instead, and then watch it. So, yeah, it did hurt us a little bit, but like I said, it helped us on the West Coast. So, you, you get a little, you give a little. One
0: of the things I enjoy most about our podcast is that it's all about nostalgia. It makes me think about you know being a kid and growing up as such a big wrestling fan and. Growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but most of us had to give it up when we realized it's full of sugar and junk that we really shouldn't be eating. But then when you realize, Hey, if I cut out all the carbs and the sugar, man, there, there's nothing I can even eat anymore, but you still need to eat breakfast. Right? I mean, we've always heard it's the most important meal of the day. And that makes sense. You know, if you, if you start your, uh, your engine going the right way in the morning, you're going to be more productive at work. You're going to get more shit done, but how do we make this happen? Magic spoon magic spoon is a sponsor of this podcast and i gotta tell you we are a fan in the thompson household and here's why you're gonna dig it zero sugar 12 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs in every serving they've also got four really badass flavors cocoa fruity frosted and blueberry it tastes amazing it almost feels too good to be true it's keto friendly it's gluten free it's grain free it's soy free it's low carb and it's gmo free Uh, i have absolutely fell in love, uh, with magic spoon. My wife is a big fan of fruity and and you can probably guess what that tastes similar to I'm a big fan of cocoa. Uh, our daughter really likes blueberry. You're going to love it too. find out which one you like the best. Go to magic forward slash 83 weeks, grab a variety pack and try them all today. Be sure to use that promo code 83 weeks at checkout. You're going to get free shipping for that. We should mention magic spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash 83 weeks and use the promo code 83 weeks for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. We believe in it. You will too. Try the cocoa, buddy. You're going to dig it. Magicspoon.com
1: forward slash 83 weeks. Even... It it just changed everything. I knew that we were in a real fight. Nothing they did, nothing they said, billionaire Ted skits, all the shit that they, you know, they did none of it. It just all rolled off my back until this happened. Then everything changed.
0: We see the rock here strutting that ass with the intercontinental championship. Do you remember there being a moment where you saw what was happening on raw and you looked at him and thought, oh shit, this guy's going to be a
1: big deal. Rock. No, no, no. I, in fairness, I, you know, I wasn't watching a lot of WWE right. rocks run. I was kind of busy doing my own thing sure. and I didn't really, despite, I you know. It probably doesn't sound like it would make any sense. People would generally think, well, if you're, you're running a wrestling company, you should be watching. What's your competition. You should watch the entire show the next day. And, and maybe I should have, I don't know, but um, I never did. I didn't. And part of it is, it's one of the reasons I don't listen to a lot of the podcasts on our own network is because I can become influenced. If I hear something that I think is funny or I like, subconsciously, I don't want to be picking up something that you and Bruce are doing or you and JR are doing or you and our our Anderson are doing and end up kind of integrating it subconsciously because I've done that before. You know, I, 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 think we've all been around people that we recognize kind of change the way they deliver, you know, their conversations or th- their, their senses of humor based on who they're around. So I've, you know, I, I try to be really careful about that, but I, I didn't watch a lot of WWF when rock was coming up, I never saw that train come
0: <laughs> look at all the knee pads on Ahmed Johnson here. He's got knee pads on his knees and then on his thighs and then by his gimmick. He's his legs are completely covered with pads.
1: Now I wonder, I mean, was that necessary? Was he busted up or I think he just thought it looked cool, but it looks fucking weird. Yeah. Those tights leave a little bit to be desired. It's kind of a little bit of a thong thing going on there. Ahmed Johnson in a thong, not a cool thing to look at. I love that See you those just NWO signs in the WWE audience. That had to be, oh, I bet you Vince loved that. God damn it. Get off those sides. Jesus Christ. Third grade shit. Who's running that camera? God damn it. Sorry. I can just hear it though. <laughs> NWO shirts, NWO signs. They got Mike Tyson, and we still beat him in the ratings. That is a war. You want to talk about war? This is a war. This is what competition should be like. Hey,
0: what would you think about them announcing the next three WrestleManias this past weekend?
1: That was odd, wasn't it? I just saw that yesterday, actually, or last night. I noticed that. That was... That's pretty, I know. When's the, when's the next WrestleMania? I heard that's coming down until the second week in April, right? Yeah.
0: April 11th, Raymond James stadium. I think it'll be a two night deal this year, next year, back in Dallas, the following year, finally in LA, they were supposed to be in LA, of course this year, but last year they were supposed to be in Tampa. So as far as we know, there will be fans at WrestleMania. What about it? There will be fans. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm hearing.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Got, you know who I'm happy for the most? The performers. Tom. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. It's just, I, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is to go out there and have a match without a crowd, especially for, the you know, experienced talent that have actually worked in front of a crowd for 10 or 15 years and have developed that direct connection. And you can feel the audience. And you, you they affect your timing. They affect everything, as well as just your energy as a performer. And, to, you know, for week after week, after week to go out there and perform in front of no crowd, is just gotta be challenging. I can only imagine what that's like. So I'm re- I'm really happy for the talent. It'll be, I mean, Oh my God. they will be, they'll feel <laughs> they won't work for free, but they're going to feel like offering to, it's going to be a great, great experience for some, I
0: can't imagine what it would be like for a guy like Hogan who grew up only working in front of crowds Yeah, until they went to TNA, but my goodness what that must be like to live and die off of that adrenaline. And now you've just got to fake it.
1: Yeah. It is, you know, and it's funny because Hulk, you know, was a part of, you know, raw legends and, in I ended up going out for lunch with him, you know, a couple of days after. And I asked him, you know, cause when he told me he was going to do it, I was excited for him. I know, you know, Hulk really misses, you know, it's his life. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit like Ric Flair in that respect is, you know, in that wrestling has become so much a part of who he is. He's not just Terry Bollea playing a character called Hulk Hogan in this wrestling show. He, he's he's Hulk Hogan, just like Ric Flair's kind of Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, it's hard to separate the two. And I asked Hawk, I said, "Well, you had to be excited. It must have been fun, you know, being backstage and seeing everybody, and you know, not thinking. I, I didn't think about it too much. But you can't hang out backstage. Yeah, everybody's, you know, in COVID gear, and you know, you're over here in this bubble, and you're over here in that bubble, and you can't go back and forth and visit. Um, So I was really disappointed for him, and and I can only imagine what that's like for the talent. It's just got to be rough.
0: This is a great scene here to see." Mike Tyson, checking out the biceps on China. I mean, you want to talk
1: about the rub, right? That's pretty cool. Look at this. I think Tyson's kind of digging it. I think he's a little, little hot on China there.
0: There's the (laughs) old, uh, winged Eagle championship. And there we see a couple of former WCW stars. Here's the Godwins. Tex Lassinger and Shanghai Pierce, now known as Henry O Godwin and Phineas. I got to tell you, some of our listeners just put together in more recent years since we've been doing these podcasts that their initials are HOG and PIG because they're pig farmers, you see.
1: (laughs) Shanghai Pierce worked in WCW. I worked with him for a few years. Yeah,
0: both of those guys. And here they come. The two next big things here in the WWF and nobody saw it coming. Good for them. It's the road dog Jesse James, it's the badass Billy Gunn or the New Age Outlaws. Let's track it.
1: Before we get into all of this, you can hold these. They're wearing overalls. They are. Before we get into all of this, let's talk this out. Look at us. We have lowered ourselves to wearing overalls.
0: Brian James is a guy who has been one of the more influential people in wrestling and backstage conversations for several years. And I think most people first become acquainted with him as sort of the roadie the the handler, the backup character, the sidekick for Jeff Jarrett. And then they tried to do the whole he's the real singer and blah blah blah. And then around that same time they're trying the Rockabilly thing with perhaps uh Billy Gunn being the protege of the honky talk man, trying to find a second life after the smoking guns. But man, nobody could have predicted how the new age outlaws were just sort of thrown together and became big stars. And then became a big part of that DX act, you know, Brian James rap, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. That became one of the sort of big catchphrases in wrestling seemingly out of nowhere. Were you shocked with their success that they had with seemingly two lost characters or characters that were lost in the shuffle prior to that?
1: Isn't that great when that happened? No, was I shocked? No, because again, I wasn't watching that closely, but wasn't it, isn't it great? When that happens, yeah. I mean, when magic happens, and sometimes it's just you know you put two guys together that you know maybe it just never occurred to you or even to them to that the chemistry would be there. But I, I've got to say this, not taking anything away from from Rod Dog at all. Um, I think Billy Gunn, I, is there a is there any more of a prototype no for a professional wrestler than Billy Gunn?
0: Even today, he looks like he's in better shape now than ever. He's like 57 or something crazy like that.
1: He is as hard as a rock. Yeah. I, you know, he knocked me out with his ass about a year and a half ago. What? Yeah. He knocked me out with his ass. I was in a, I was in a, uh, a show that uh, Brian Noms was putting on it. was, In fact, it was the show that um, David Arquette showed up at. Oh yeah. 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 Right, and it was a part of uh, of his uh, documentary. It was that show. It was in Detroit, and Garrett was wrestling Billy Gunn, in a match. And I had a spot. You know, I came out with Garrett, and obviously Garrett was was the heel. I came out with him, and there was a spot when they were running the ropes back and forth, and I was supposed to, you know, catch Billy as he was coming, you know, as he hit the ropes, and like an idiot. I leaned in to grab a hold of his legs. So oh. my head was through the ropes. Well, when he came, when Billy came from across the ring, he hit those ropes hard. Of course, my head was right there and he hit me right with the The, the, the right cheek of his ass hit me right alongside of the head. And I, I, my head snapped back and I stood there for a minute and I almost went down. Fortunately, I was kind of like running at the the ring apron so I could hold myself up, but I blacked out for just a second. When I started to kind of get my bearings again, I saw stars and bright lights and funny colors and yeah, knocked me out with his ass. He's a, he's a rock hard son of a bitch. And he, you know, he's a rodeo guy. Did you know that? I did. I didn't know that until I was talking to him that day, you know, and, and he was telling me about how he used to rodeo and usually rodeo guys are not that big. Right. You, know, you, you go to a rodeo, you watch some guys that, you know, ride bulls. They're like gymnasts. They're like, you know, they're strong as hell. Don't get me wrong, but they're but
0: five foot they're tall, like 140,
1: 150 pound dudes. Yeah. You know, same thing with, you know, bronc riders and all that. He's a big son of a bitch for, to rodeo, but he loved it. He's a cool dude. Wrestling with his son now in uh, AEW, which is awesome. Yeah,
0: I think he's got uh, two of his boys there making a name for themselves in AEW. And I'm, I'm glad there's a a place for those guys to go because, uh, and by the way, Billy Gunn, you know, you were talking about size. We're, we're talking deceptively huge. This is a guy who's Hulk Hogan's height. And I think when you just, when, when wrestling fans think of Billy Gunn, they think he's, you know, Shawn Michaels height. Oh no, he's a foot taller
1: or a head he's, taller, he's just, he's an amazing physical specimen and a good looking guy too, not to go on and on and on about Billy Gunn. Cause he's going to have questions about me next time he sees me.
0: I love you for that.
1: But he he's, like I said, he's, he is a prototype for a wrestler.
0: The, um, the fallout from the show, I mean, it's everywhere. AP USA today, ESPN, every major media resource you know, throws everything into this. Lots of people are, are mocking it, but everyone's talking about it. And there's even speculation that there is a $6 million payout here for Tyson for participation. And of course, wrestling fans who are hardcore Bret Hart fans take great issue with, wait a minute, you couldn't pay Bret's million dollar a year contract. Now you can afford to pay Mike Tyson $6 million. Of course, Bruce would say answer
1: yes, would be absolutely in a heartbeat. Well, heartbeat. And I'm not just saying that because we have 2020 vision. Now we can all sound real smart after the fact, but you and I have talked about this before the kind of press and the attention that the non-wrestling audience is all of a sudden going to give wrestling specifically the WWE is worth every nickel of that $6 million. If indeed that was the number, I don't know what the number really was. Has Bruce ever told you? Probably not.
0: No, he didn't tell me uh, on or off air, but he did say it wasn't that much. I think most people ultimately settled on it was probably closer to a million which if that's the number
1: no it was more than that. the number that i heard and i can't even remember who told it It wasn't bruce the number i had heard while i was there i came up a conversation was three mm. but i don't even know if that's true the person that said that to me maybe didn't know i don't know
0: right well it's about to happen i'm pretty excited about it the uh the WWF came off of a week here with worldwide publicity that they haven't received in more than a decade. And when they go off the air, there's this big cliffhanger of Tyson Austin. And what's it going to look like? But the trouble is the following week, the ratings, not there, they do 3.5 in the first hour, 3.45 in the second hour, a 5.25 share. So while it is good for a big spike tonight. It's not sustainable. Does that say more about the curiosity factor of Tyson or that wrestling fans still just know, like, and trust Nitro more? Do you think?
1: No, well, I think Nitro, by this point, Nitro had been consistently producing better content. It's that simple. Better stories, better characters, a fresher look at the way we presented our stories. That's why it was working. There's nothing here that you're seeing on this show. I mean, obviously, you've got Mike Tyson. You're going to get a lot of uh, ancillary fans, people that wouldn't normally watch wrestling. will drop in to check it out and see what it's all about. And those people won't come back the following week. But I think what's as we look at what's about to happen and we look back on it now in conversation, what made this work wasn't just because Mike Tyson was on Monday Night Raw. What made this work was the way they used Mike Tyson and how that set up the story with Vince and Steve Austin. That's the part that really worked. Tyson was instrumental in, you know, you've heard me talk about, you know, act one, act two, act three, right? You can't have a great movie without a great three X structure or a television show or book or anything else. That's we're spending your time on. And they used Mike Tyson. Yes. To get a bump in the ratings, but what they really used Mike Tyson for was to launch act one. And that's where his if, if they would have paid him six million dollars, if they would have paid him hell in retrospect, 16 million dollars, it would have been a good investment in the long run because of what it did for Steve Austin. And who knows what that story between Austin and McMahon would have looked like had it not kicked off with something as big and believable and incredible as this was it wasn't just mike tyson showing up on television you're only going to get so much out of that but the way they use mike the way it catapulted steve austin the way it set up the second and third acts for for austin and mcmahon that would last what a year or so whatever it was this was the magic you know dare i say genius in the way they used tyson So I I think there were probably some fans and people that like to write about wrestling and pretend that they know what they're talking about that would analyze Tyson being a part of the show and what it meant to ratings. Oh, wow, so many people didn't show up. must not have been that big of a deal. Therefore, it really wasn't a good choice. Uh, Beg to differ, sir. This was fantastic. And like I said, it set up Tyson and, excuse me, it set up um, Austin McMahon in a way that I don't think any other story or any other angle could possibly have done.
0: So you see right here, he's teasing. Here's the big announcement on March 29th at WrestleMania in this very ring, the glass breaks and here comes stone cold, Steve Austin.
1: What a rush for Austin. This had to be a blast for him as well.
0: Oh my God. I can't imagine. I mean, you've waited your whole life for this, your whole career for this. Eric Bischoff fired you by FedEx. And now you're on Monday night, raw (laughs) nose to nose with Mike Tyson.
1: And boy, am I going to get my payback.
0: Man, this is awesome. Let's track a little bit. Actually, let's not. Let's um let's mention when you're talking about the return on the investment here. WrestleMania earlier this year, two hundred and seventy three thousand buys. With Tyson, one year later, seven hundred and
1: thirty thousand buys. What was it whoa, whoa, whoa. Blow those numbers
0: by me again one more time? The WrestleMania before this, two seventy three. With Tyson, seven hundred thirty. He paid for himself.
1: Yeah. So, so anybody who at that time was critical of WWE for the 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 6 million, whatever it is that WWE paid for Tyson, they got a steal. This moment, the moment that we're watching right now changed the course of WWE in a way that I don't think anything else could have. Had it not done for what we're looking at right now. I don't think you're looking at WWE today. Or if you are, you're looking at a much different version of it. This was the pivot point. There was a couple things that Vince did, and I'm just speaking from, you know, having watched it from afar as a competitor, not anything that I learned while I was there. But, you know, Vince put his balls on the line when he took out what year was the Super Bowl commercial?
0: Uh the following Remember?
1: year. Following year? Yeah. Okay. Well, by this point now he's built up enough cash reserves where he could have afforded it, but this was the move. This, this was the hail Mary that won the super bowl for WWE.
0: You've seen this before. If you could, if you could redo it, would you have done it any differently? The the middle finger, the shove, the brawl, the pull apart, or was it done
1: perfectly? Uh, Can you pick it apart? It would have been nice if Tyson wasn't as smiley as he was. Right. As we just saw him a moment ago. I mean, would I have liked to see Mike Tyson have a little more serious look on his face to be a little bit more intimidating to go along with his character as opposed to looking like a guy who was actually having quite a bit of fun doing what he's doing? Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. But as far as the setup and the and the way this thing was executed, it was a work of art. It really was. Look at that. Boom. Off we go. Now, here, the, the, Here's where. Watch McMahon's face. McMahon is the one that is making this as believable as this is. I mean, this looks so real. Because it is, right? Well, for the most part, yeah. But. This is just awesome. Look at Jerry in there digging away. <laughs> he just got—he just wants to wrestle somebody. He doesn't care who. Give me—I got—I got to get a front face face lock. It. Oh no, it was a lateral drop. See <laughs> Shane in there? Yep. You see, she, yeah.
0: The emotion in Vince McMahon's face tells the
1: story. This is it coming up, right? Yep. Right there. This looks so believable to me. And you hadn't seen, this is a Vince McMahon. Nobody had ever seen before on camera.
0: Oh yeah. Unless you were backstage and catering.
1: And this is is why this worked the Vince McMahon made this angle. Everybody made it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be careful how I say things. Everybody made it work. But Vince made this so believable because he chose to play a character he had never played before. He never came out of his shell like this. Nobody had ever seen it. And guess what? (laughs) It has to be real. If we've right. never seen it before, if he's acting in a way that we've never seen before, and he's over the top and he's pissed off and he wants to kill Steve Austin, it's gotta be real because we've never seen it before. It was perfect. It was just perfect.
0: What a moment. I mean, it's, it's important for us to add context too that. Tyson was not only this controversial person figure he was not only a former boxing champion he was the undisputed draw of prize fighting and pay-per-view if you put mike tyson on a boxing pay-per-view it would be the top selling pay-per-view of the year he had captured the imagination of american uh i don't know pay-per-view homes in a way nobody has before and maybe Few have since, you know, Conor McGregor certainly became a juggernaut. Uh, Ronda Rousey had great success. Brock Lesnar had great success, but man, when Mike Tyson in the infancy of pay-per-view was fighting on pay-per-view, it became a cultural happening here in America. Did it not Eric?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and I, I, I not taking anything away from the names that you mentioned, because I think they're, they've all done phenomenally well and have nothing but respect for every one of them. However, I don't think any of them came close to Mike Tyson. Yeah, I agree. I think the only person that that you can really talk about credibly in terms of pop culture and pay-per-view buys, you know, or audience, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Those are the two, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson, those are the two names that I think transcend all of sports and transcend all of celebrity in their respective times. Muhammad Ali became, he was in his own universe. Yeah. There was nobody else comparable to him. And for a while, Mike Tyson was the same way. I mean, he was on, un- I used to love Tyson fights. I used to love watching.
0: Tyson. Don't blink. Go to the bathroom before the bell rings. It's going to be over. I still
1: will do. I mean, talk about an intimidating, intense, just raw specimen, just phenomenal talent. And we just
0: saw it. We're off the air now. Um, the show ends with Mike Tyson in the back complaining about Cold Stone to Steve uh, to uh, Mr. McMahon and McMahon trying to frantically apologize, and uh, of course he's uh, furious now. You've ruined it, Austin. You've ruined it. Damn it! We're off to the races though, and it's important for us to, you know, add context to this. As big of a draw as Floyd Mayweather is on pay per view these days, Tyson was bigger. And more controversial and it was a major happening but it didn't have the long lasting effect week to week but boy wrestlemania proved that they did get a major return and steve austin now just by brushing up against mike tyson is more of a household name than he ever could have been without him right
1: more of a household name than he ever could have been without it but more importantly to me to keep banging this fucking drum but his career was made at that point because yeah. of the story that he had with with Vince McMahon and this like i said this was you could not you could have brought in a team of the top writers in hollywood or anywhere else for that matter and tried to write a better setup and story than this and you wouldn't be able to this was just awesome
0: i want to remind everybody that uh, you can get all of these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com We've had a tremendous amount of fun already this year. We rolled out title chase, which is a deep dive into the history of the WCW United States championship. We've also announced that we've got a long form, multiple part interview coming up with Jim Crockett jr. But you're also getting these shows early. And next week we're going to cover clash of the champions 32 here on the program, but we're more than just shows. We actually do a lot of interactive stuff. So as you and I are recording right now, uh, the guys are actually talking over at uh, adfreeshows.com. Arn Anderson is doing a watch along with FTR uh, about one of the favorite matches that Arn ever saw, which was American Alpha taking on the Revival in WWE. And they're breaking down the psychology of tag team wrestling. Most people believe FTR to be one of, if not the best tag team in the world these days. And of course, everybody holds Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in that same regard. So the idea that you get to watch wrestling with the guys who made the magic happen, man. It's just something else. It's really cool. I'm really proud that we've got it. And we offered something else this past week, Eric, that we haven't plugged at all here on the show. You did a live Q and a with your son Garrett, which is available now over at adfreeshows.com, a little family affair that had to be pretty fun.
1: It was really fun. And Garrett had an absolute blast. He hasn't uh, done anything like this in a long time. So he had a great time. I had a great time. I think the, you know, the family that showed up and I think we had like 1.50 or 60 people, you know, jumped in to, to watch that show with us uh, live as it was happening. And uh, everybody was so uh, respectful. Uh, They asked great questions. They Everybody just had a great time. And by the way, I have to put her over again. Um, sometimes I forget to put people over. Lauren does a great show. job. She's doing such a great job. And I'm having so much fun watching her get better and better and better every week. Cause she's getting more familiar, more comfortable doing it. She's just, she's so much fun. And I really had a great time and, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to have my son on with me. It was fun.
0: We're going to have some fun next week with Clash of the Champions 32. We've got a very special bonus episode we're also going to bring you this week. Uh, we're going to watch uh, Monday Night Raw, or maybe next week, but either way, this month on adfreeshows.com, we're going to watch a Monday Night Raw from January 15th, 1996. So 25 years ago, but I believe it's the debut skit for the Billionaire Ted skits. So that'll be fun to go back and add some context and see when you really started to get under the crawl of Vince McMahon. But next week, Recovering Clash of the Champions, 22? Am I doing that right? Maybe I got that wrong. Let's take a look. Nope, 32. Clash of the Champions, 32, went down on January twenty-third, 1996 from Caesar's Palace. Flair and Giant on top, taking on Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Conan will be in there with Psychosis. Sting and Luger will team up. Against the Blue Bloods, which is Lord Stephen Regal and Robert Eaton. Uh, Brian Pillman will be in there with Eddie Guerrero, and you remember what happens there. Uh, Dean Malenko is going to be in there with Alex Wright. Public Enemy in there with the Nasty Boys and a couple of dark matches. But WCW in Las Vegas, and it's not for a Halloween Havoc, but it is for a TBS special. Flair and the Giant taking on Hogan and Savage. Do you remember the ending of that? There's something so crazy with Hogan and Savage.
1: I don't, but don't tell
0: me something that I think you're even going to have trouble explaining. I can't wait to pick your brain on it. It's going to be fun. It's fun to talk about WCW in 1996, and we're going to do a lot of that this year because we're in the 25 year anniversary. So stay tuned. Lots of fun stuff coming your way. We've got a big uh, February planned as well. Uh, We're going to feature Harlem heat to kick off the month of February. We'll also cover TNA against all odds, 2011, of course, we're going to hit Super Brawl Revenge from 2001, the very last Super Brawl. And we'll wrap up the month with a very special tribute episode to your old pal, Vern Gagne. Uh, and then in February, we've got a very special bonus episode planned. Ernest the Cat Miller. Somebody call my mama. We're going to have some fun over at adfreeshows.com.
1: I can't wait.
0: Until next time, he is at E Bischoff. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. We hope to catch you down the road at adfreeshows.com. And we'll be back next week right here for Clash of the Champions 32 on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Perhaps the best way to introduce a friend to 83 Weeks is to direct them to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 Weeks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button right now. It's totally free. You're going to sneak peek of upcoming shows, plus some exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And perhaps best of all, some great new giveaways coming your way absolutely for free. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and be sure to check out the shirts over at ericbischoff.com. If it's been a while, we need to remind you we're adding new ones all the time. Plus there's tons of new gimmicks at boxofgimmicks.com. Like right now, we have some of Dave Silva's cover art on posters. Lots of different ways to support the show and be a part of the 83 Weeks community. It's youtube.com forward slash 83 weeks. Of course, ericbischoff.com. And who could forget boxofgimmicks.com? And hey, if you'd like to advertise your product or service here on the show and hear Eric Bischoff brag about you or your business, it's easy to make that happen. Just go to advertisewithconrad.com. I'm telling you, you'll be glad you did. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Everybody's heard this. Make sure your sweetheart knows she's your star. Picture it. It's Valentine's Day, and she opens this really cool gift box and outslides a blue rose trimmed in gold. You know, The blue color of the sky just before the sun sets and you can start seeing all the stars sparkling in the night sky. It's breathtaking. Now picture a magnificent real 24-karat gold rose deeply dipped in pure 24-karat gold with petals in this rich blue color covered in sparkles that mimic the stars in the sky. That's Twinkle Twinkle, the brand-new exclusive rose only available at Steven Singer Jewelers. Real jewelers, real roses, really dipped in pure 24-karat gold with a real lifetime guarantee. It's always the number one Valentine's Day gift that lasts forever. It comes with your own free personal love note, and it ships fast and free to the love of your life, your wife, your daughter, or your sweetheart. And it says, I'm so lucky to have you in my life. Steven's brand-new Roses is $79, but his real 24-karat gold-dipped roses started only $59. Go right now to IHateStevenSinger.com. That's IHateStevensinger.com. Hey, before we get out of here, I want to remind you that at SaveWithConrad.com, we don't just help people refinance. We can help you buy your dream home. But don't take my word for it. Check out Mickey. That's right, Mickey James from WWE. She and her husband, the NWA World Champion, Nick Aldous, went to SaveWithConrad.com. We hooked them up, and they left us this five-star review. Conrad and his entire team were amazing. We found the perfect house, and they worked so hard to make it a reality. So grateful. I would suggest them to anyone looking to buy a home, refinance, or upgrade their existing home. If you want someone who will work hard for you, this is your team. Thanks, guys. Mickey. No, thank you, Mickey. We appreciate you and Mr. Aldous putting your faith and confidence in us, and we're going to treat you guys listening at home right now the exact same way. We're hooking up all the stars, and you can be our next success story. I want to remind you, with the interest rates lower than ever, that means your buying power is at an all-time high. What's that mean in layman's terms? you can get a bigger, nicer, better house with a cheaper monthly payment than ever before. Find out how easy it is to get started right now at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And by the way, if you don't qualify right now, we're going to get you a battle plan to show you how to qualify later this year. But you need to start right now at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? Step one to getting into your dream home, Save with
2: Conrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next
3: round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Tylus and Callaway and blah, and How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.